Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More to Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission at More to Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More to Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at moretobe.com podcast, where you can also find all of our past episodes and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. In this episode, I am super excited to be joined by two of my dear friends and fellow coaches. They have come through the More to Be Coach Training, and they are part of the More to Be Coach Network. And uh, with us, I just want to read a little bit about who these women are, because it's pretty impressive. Jennifer Booth is passionate about coming alongside women overwhelmed, uh, who are tired of wasting time and ready to conquer the chaos in their lives. Can you relate to that? She is all about helping women discover real purpose, develop real plans, and delight in real peace. And you can find Jennifer at theplanningwoman.com. And Kristen Humison focuses her passion to speak life into women through coaching ministry wives of all ages and stages. She helps them release their burdens, identify their expectations in order to live a joy-filled life they know is available through Christ. And you can find Kristen at theministrywifecoach.com. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hey. Good to hey. be here. It's so good to see you. Well, we get to see each other regularly with our monthly masterminds and hanging out in the coach network, but there's nothing like seeing you guys face to face. So I'm glad that you're here with me. And today we have um, a pretty big topic to, to tackle this idea of how are we presently living? What are the bondages that we're, what are we in bondage to? Um, what is, is holding us back? What are the strongholds in our lives? And then how do we combat that bondage with like the antidote of knowing that we belong to Christ. So even before we kind of get into the scriptures, like are there experiences that you both have had or situations in which you see that kind of before and after in your lives? And I'll go first to give you a second to think about this since I'm putting you on the spot, but, but kind of the, the enslaved to versus um, wanting to become free of and, and move into our identity in Christ. Does that sound like something you are ready to give an example to? Oh, yeah. I've got something right off the top of my head that comes to mind. Oh, do you want to go first? Then I'll go second. Sure. I, you know, I did not realize, um, I kind of wrote down this question in thinking about this topic, like, how do I know I'm in bondage? Mm. We walk and we live, and a lot of times it's just out of the urgency of the moment, and you know we're just reactive all the time. And so um, I didn't even know I was in bondage before, but I would say what characterized me before, previously in life, would have been critical spirit, um, anger, or like easily angered. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have moments of being very happy and whatever, and then something would just set me off and bam, Mm. um, feeling fearful, just kind of a low lying fear Mm -hmm. of, I didn't even know what, for example, I was eight years old. I remember going to my mom and I said, I'm worried about something. Mm. She said, Oh, what are you worried about? I said, mom, I'm worried. 
because I was worried about something and now I don't remember what I was worried about. Oh no. But I was really genuinely worried about, you know, I thought, oh no, I've lost whatever it is that I'm worried about. And I was fearful that that was not good. I don't know. There was this, and it's always been kind of something that characterized me. Um, so it started early, but I would say that moving to, I heard, um, in my early 20s, we had a revival group come to our church. And one of the things they said, kind of off the cuff, total side note, was when you have the joy of the Lord, you will sing. And I was like, that's just the stupidest thing ever. Like, what do you mean? And I, I love music. I was a vocal major in college. And so I thought, surely I would have known this already um, because it's about singing. And so in that time that they were with us, there was a complete moment of breakthrough spiritually. And the next morning I woke up and I had song on my heart and on my mind. Mm. And I thought, oh, oh I, I guess they're right. And I found it in scripture. It's in scripture. Anyway, um, yeah. so that's kind of a you know small example, two examples of the from and moving to and how I knew that I was free. <sighs> That is awesome. That is awesome. It's interesting how you can date it so far back to being a little girl where it's true, like our perspectives of this world and how we see things and what we're enslaved to um, sometimes just is, is a byproduct of our upbringing and, and the experiences and how we've been shaped. And, you know, the way your mom responded to you, set you on a new course, the way your church that sets you on a new course and you are able to go in another direction. But how often do we find ourselves just tracking in the same direction because there is no challenge or no vulnerability that says, I'm worried, you know, right? Like if you had yeah. kept that inside as part of your personality, how would that have become a stronghold in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So interesting. Jennifer, do you have an idea? Anything that's crossed your mind? Um, well, yes. Um, just thinking about... Kristen's story going back to childhood even I was an anxious child in some ways I mean not like fearful of everything but an only child very quiet very reserved you know sometimes I'd go to a birthday party sometimes I wouldn't and I don't know where all this came from I mean I had a great background upbringing we were not um, lacking anything. I mean, but to the extent of, you know, if you go somewhere like a restaurant where you have to order at the counter and you look around, you see all these people. And I'm like, what if we don't have a place to sit to uh... eat or you go to a concert before they started doing assigned seating and things like that? What if we can't get a good, you know, I mean, like just little bitty mm. things that in the grand scheme of life have no matter, but, um, I don't know. I, I dealt with that for a very long time up till my mid twenties, along mm. with some, you know, just some other anxious thoughts. And it almost, I, I got to thinking about it one day and I'm like, Lord, why is this? I, I feel like it's a scarcity mindset, you know, mm. like something's not going to be there for me. And I still, to this day, don't know why I would have felt like that, but it was just kind of when a one time thing like where I read a verse that God was abundant or whatever. It's just I just noticed over the years finally when I acknowledged that and mm. um how that was keeping me from doing some things for the mm. Lord. You know, mm -hmm. it's like what if this isn't going to work? What if am I I don't know. I want to be right as in I want to be doing the right thing. And so um 
but I have noticed over the years it finally eased off like one day you know we were going somewhere and I'm like it's okay it's okay if we have to sit on the floor and eat <laughs> it's okay yeah. this is nothing to be worried about I mean just little minor things but when you let the minor things of life take over they can become major and you're kind of blinded or deaf to what God is trying to say or show you um yeah so yeah. that was that was such a, when I realized that I was not feeling that way anymore, you know, mm. that it was not causing me anxiety in certain situations. That's yeah. not saying I don't deal with anxiety, but it's easier to capture that and go, okay, what am I really fearful of? What is this underlying thing? What does God say about that? Mm. Is this really important to worry about, you know, instead of, letting every little thing worry me and strangle me and keep me in bondage from moving forward to do what I need to do. That's so interesting. We're going to actually record a podcast episode on um, let go of worry and live with, in the whatever. And, mm -hmm. and so I love it. Like you, it's because all the themes for this 2021 year of podcasts are, are so much about how are we currently living and what is the way that God wants us to live? And kind of getting back to the heart of the biblical instructions for day-to-day, -day. you know, mindset, actions, mental health, heart health, spiritual health, like the whole thing. And both of you are describing situations in which the thought life dictated the experience and held you back from, from living something out. And the story that came to my mind it's totally different than what you guys shared. And I keep on, you guys know, when I teach the coach training course, I say, don't say something to a client unless it's come to you three times, right? Like, God, do you want me to say this? Do you want me to say this? So this whole time I'm like, Lord, do you really want me to share this story? Cause this was not on my mind for what I wanted to share, but I think it's a good, good tie in and an example of how wanting to know keeps us from being present in the moment. And so my, my example of bondage is very clearly when we lived at the boarding school, we did not live in our own house. So for those new listeners, um, I'll give context. Many of the old listeners would be like, ah, here she goes again, talking about the boarding school, but we lived at the boarding school for 18 years. And in those 18 years, we lived in, in seven different residences, two dorms, boys dorm, girls dorm, and then school owned houses. And from the time we moved to the campus and moved into the boys dorm, I was ready for the next step of moving into a house because the family who was in the, the dorm apartment that we were in moved out into one of the big, beautiful houses. So of course I thought my next step will be from this to that. Well, it didn't go that way. I mean, we, we had an, an awful, experience. And it was because I think the Lord wanted to break the bondage that I had to coveting and to idolatry of home and idolatry of what my space looks like and idolatry of comfortability. Uh, and it was all tied into this thing. And so by the, like the spring of every year, we would start the chitter chatter of, I wonder who's moving because every time somebody left the faculty, a house would open up. And then there would be a domino of moves. And there was this elusive unknown who gets to move to where when. 
So it was always this, like, who's going to get the new house? Who's going to get in that? What work are they going to do in that house? Are they going to renovate the kitchen? Are they going to do the bathrooms? Because the only time anything ever got done on one of the houses was when somebody moved out before somebody moved in. If you didn't get done before you got your stuff in that house, it would not get done. So there was this like months of this. Well, we were in a house um, that was perfect for us when it was just Stephen and I and the girls. And then in that house, I got pregnant with the twins. And quickly that house became way too small. And I began this, I wanna move into one of the bigger houses. I wanna move into one of the bigger houses. And God was convicting me that this was coveting. And I had shared this to the kids. Uh, Leah, Leah and Abby at that age were like six and four, I guess, or seven and, and five. I remember being on a walk and looking at one of the houses and be like, yeah, I would love to move into that house. And Leah, out of the mouth of babes, because she goes, mom, that's coveting and that's a sin. And I was like, oh, no, it's not. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be nice if God would provide? <laughs> I totally like made every excuse in the book to say why it's okay to like appreciate somebody else's stuff without like this stronghold of idolatry. So the, a week later, we have friends over for a barbecue and we're sitting on the back deck and I'm lamenting about how small the house is and how much like I want to move into one of the bigger houses and I hope that they make this possible for us. And this older woman, she had been at the school for like 30 years. She was, you know, definitely mentor, 25 years older than me role. She just, I don't think she slammed her fist on anything, but that was like the, the vibe uh, because we're on the deck. So I don't think there was a table she could have like slammed her fist against, but she's like, are you going to let this like jealousy over the battleship houses ruin you? Like it's ruined everybody else. And I was like, oh. So apparently I was not the first in this line of sin. Um, and there were, I was like, what do you mean by battleship houses? And she's like, it's just like a fleet. And there's the battleships, the biggest of the biggest in the fleet. And everybody wants to live in the battleship house. And I was like, oh, like really convicted at how this was stealing my joy. When we're in bondage to something, we make excuses about it. Our fists wrap around it. We barter, we reason. I mean, it's idolatry, right? It is worshiping the thing we cannot have that is not meant to replace who God is, right? And, and I remember thinking after that, God just totally came on with Holy Spirit conviction and said, the way out of this is gratitude. And if you don't start thanking me for what I've given you, you're never going to be able to be content. And it was at that point I started daily saying, Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the space you've given me. I thank you for its shortcomings. And seriously, God did such a healing work on my heart. He had us in that house for four years because it reminded me of the house that I grew up in my childhood the, the living room entranceway and front window and shape to the dining room and kitchen was almost a blueprint of the house in which I was abused the most because that was the Illinois house. And we moved back to New York, the abuse had stopped. And so God had us in that house, not because it was where he wanted to like do this, like, you know, amazing housework. He wanted to do this amazing housework on my heart. And, and knew that this space would trigger me. And he used that to 
make me come to like my senses with him. And that's when I got into counseling. That's when I recognized that I needed to forgive my parents. That's when I dealt with my anger issues. Like the, the most radical healing in my life happened in that house. And, and if he had given me what I thought I wanted, where, where would I, I be? I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how God could take something that is our disobedience and use it to draw us into obedience and healing. Yeah. That makes me think of everything that you just shared makes me think of these, you know, three years prior um, in our situation with our church, that was a forced resignation. And all along, one of my biggest fears was, what if my husband is ever asked to, to leave the pastorate? I just thought that would be the worst thing on earth because it's so closely tied to your identity. Um, and yet it's been one of the biggest gifts mm -hmm. and the place that he's done the most and deepest work in me and in my heart. So yeah, he does his best work in the dark places, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the dark, dark places. And we, we have a choice to that. Jennifer, did I saw you come off mute. <laughs> For those of who are listening, we're on Zoom. So we're, we're muting and I'm muting to keep the sound clear. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about your story, how that's just amazing. You were in a place you know, that reminded you of bad times, but, you know, he used that for your healing. And um, I just think about times in my own life, you know, you go through horrible situations or what seems horrible to you, it may not be to others, but, mm -hmm. you know, we all have our relative, I mean, it's real to us, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, you know, and then um, you come through that. And then years later, you can look back and just see, God made you stronger. Yeah. You were able to deal with more. I was thinking about when my dad died last year. I always, I was always worried about that. I was like, how am I going to hold up? Yeah. And it was just like 11 days in the ICU waiting room. Mm. And I think God just gave me that peace and strength. Um, I was doing daily updates, trying to be thankful and encouraging mm. and, um, and, you know, I had people reach out to me during that time going, I don't even know how you're doing this. Yeah. How are you, you know? And so it was something that I feared. What would I do in that situation? And God made it something good, yeah. you know, and showed me I'm not as frail or weak or whatever, you know, that through him. Now I would not have done that on my mm -hmm. own. It was through him. Um, he made me strong. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's hard, though. It's even hard realizing yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a God that allows us to go through the hard to make us more like him. It's that refiner's fire. Mm -hmm. And, and in the, the face of the, I will never be able to, he says, but I will through you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I will be there. I'll be in you. I'll be with you. So this passage I was sharing with you guys before we got on, there's this passage from Jeremiah that I read yesterday that, that really has stopped me in my tracks. Um, and I, I think it just ties in so perfectly as we think about the character of God and what he wants out of us. So, so we're going to go there. And then I know you guys have some really good teaching points to bring us as well. So 
I've been reading through Jeremiah for what feels like an awfully long time because it's such a big old book. And I pretty much have been frustrated in this reading for most of the time. So I've quit and I've come back to it. So I'm back in 35 and it says at the top, the Rechabites example. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. R-E-C-H-A-B-I-T-E-S. So I'm calling them the Rechabites. Anybody else have an opinion on that? No, okay. So I, I read this passage and I get down to verse, um, I get down to verse 12 and I actually write in my margins, Lord, I don't understand what did they do wrong? So this is like, I want to be very real with our listeners who will read scripture and be like, I have no idea what's going on here. And what is the point? That was me in this passage. I read the whole thing and I had no idea what it was. And I I feel like I was pretty attentive to the reading, but missed it, had to go back and reread the passage all over again. And, and so one of my personal goals for 2021 is to slow down my Bible reading. I think as a doer, uh, we can become very bent on the accomplishment. I want to get to the end and check this off my list. And I have decided that I want to forget about the end and I want to focus on the moment. And if that means I have to reread something 50 times, I'm going to reread it 50 times and that's going to be my accomplishment. So in this passage, um, I'm starting with verse one. Uh, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them and bring to one of bring them the Rechabites to one of the chambers of the temple of the Lord to offer them a drink of wine. So pay attention to that. He's offering these guys a drink of wine. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? I can't think of an Old Testament passage that basically says, come drink with me, right? And yet he says, come drink with me. And so it says, I, so I took Jazaniah, son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons, the entire house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the temple of the Lord to a chamber occupied by the sons of Hanan, sons of Igdalia, a man of God. Missed that on the first uh reading through, who had a chamber near the official's chamber, which was above the chamber of Messiah, son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. I set jars filled with wine and some cups before the sons of the house of the Rechabites and said to them, drink wine, exclamation point. This is a command. So the, the, the offering is put out there by God, a gift, and then the command, drink this. But they replied, we do not drink wine. For Jonadab, son of our ancestor Rechab, commanded, you and your descendants must never drink wine. You must not build a house or sow a seed or plant a vineyard. Those things are not for you. Rather, you must live in tents your whole life so that you may live a long time on the soil where you stay as a resident alien. We have obeyed Jonadab, son of our ancestor Rechab, in all he commanded us. So we haven't drunk wine our whole life. We, our wives, our sons, our daughters, we have also not built houses to live in and do not have vineyard, field, or seed, but we have lived in tents and obeyed and done everything our ancestor Jonadab commanded us. However, when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonian, Babylon marched into the land, we said, come, let's go into Jerusalem and get away from the Chaldean and Armenian armies. So we have been living in Jerusalem. 
So my first reading through this, I was like, gosh, these guys are awesome. Like, look how much they obeyed. They obeyed their ancestors. They, they did it. They, they stuck to everything that they were told that they should do except for moving location, right? Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, go say to the men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem, will you not accept discipline by listening to my words? This is the Lord's declaration. The words of Jonadab, son of Rechab, have been carried out. He commanded his descendants to not drink wine, and they have not drunk wine to this day because they have obeyed their ancestors' command. But I have spoken to you time and time again, and you have not obeyed me. And, and it took two to three readings for me to get to that point of saying, oh, they obeyed, but they didn't obey God. They, they were so tightly aligned to what they had been taught by their human ancestors and have become so, I hope this is not putting words into scripture, self-righteous, potentially prideful about dotting the I and crossing the T with a justifiable excuse for the one thing that they did do, which was move locations, that they completely could not see the fact that God was offering them a new way, new wine, right? And, and his, an opportunity to hear from him directly that was not based on their performance. They didn't have to do anything to, to earn this gift of wine that God was giving them they were able to just receive it. So, so then it continues, but I have spoken to you time and time again, and you have not obeyed me time and time again. Said is it twice. I have sent you all my servants, the prophets pro proclaiming, turn each one from his evil way and correct your actions. Stop following other gods to serve them. Live in the land that I gave you and your ancestors, uh, but you did not pay attention or obey me. Yet the sons of Jonadab, son of Rechem, carried out their ancestors' commands he gave them, but these people have not obeyed me. I mean, so God even acknowledges like, yeah, you did obey this, but look what you did not do. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of armies, the God of Israel says, I will certainly bring on Judah and all the residents of Jerusalem, all the disasters I have pronounced against them because I had spoken to them, but they have not obeyed and I have called to them, but they did not answer. Oh, I see you guys both like just sitting there. What, 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 what are you feeling, thinking, seeing? Well, first of all, I have read through the Bible four or five times in my life, and I can honestly say I do not remember <laughs> this particular story about the Rechabites. Um, but it does make me think. Um, and this is a whole nother tangent. I know we don't want to go off here, but it makes me think of all our different religions, denominations, yeah. the interpretations of man, of how we are to live out what is in the word. Yeah. And how, um, I mean, in my own life, I feel like I grew up very legalistically in mm -hmm. my church and mm -hmm. with my family. 
I mean, when it says God offered wine, we would not have heard that in my church. No, <laughs> I know, right, right. And I'm not sanctioning, I'm not saying yeah, anybody should know, go drink I mean, wine, but yeah. Probably why I've never heard this story. <laughs> I guess it's like, yeah, oh, we can't go there. You know, yeah, that's right. going to open a whole other can of worms that co- totally contradicts our our ancestors and what they taught yeah. us and what they believed, which may or may not have been correct or right. for everyone, you know, I mean, just different things like that. So um, it is a way of being in bondage to your, whatever your upbringing was yeah. in your, um, how God was portrayed to you and how you were taught to serve him and follow his commands. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so important, um, you know, when you have kids, Mm -hmm. yes, take them to church, take them to Sunday school, teach them, but also teach them to search for themselves and listen to God. Yeah. So they're not in bondage their whole life thinking they're doing it the right way when they're, when one day they're reading through and they're like, hmm, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if everything I was taught is really what God wants from me, you know, right. Um, Yeah. You know, and it's fascinating to me because I always say, you know, we need to read it in context. So I don't think this is like a command that says you should go drink wine now. God's offering you wine. I think the example, and that's what the header here in this, I'm reading the CSB translation. Uh, What's interesting to me was up until that point, their obedience probably wasn't wrong. Right. They were under the leadership and the mentorship, potentially the discipleship of their ancestors. But were they able to personally hear from God? And when God called, that's their, that's their sin. God called and they did not answer. And to me, that's like the, am I willing to hear God's calling to me and, and his challenge to move in a new direction, to embrace what it is that is obedience today even if it looks different than like your example, Jen, the church that I grew up in or the church that I currently attend or the political movement that I'm supposedly identify with or the um, academia culture that I'm currently immersed in or the online platform that I'm supposed to be doing it this way, right? Like we can become this enslaved to a mindset and a practice that is other than what God is calling us to. And that scares the daylights out of me, honestly. Kristen, what are your thoughts? I see you like taking this in. Oh, I'm just so like, the word is so alive. And I think it's amazing. One, you know, Jeremiah, not many people spend time in Jeremiah, (laughs) right? And if we do, we read over it like you had the first time and we might question it. But then we're like, okay, I don't really know. So I'm just going to keep going yeah. <laughs> to check the box. And this verse, um, it's verse, oh, it's the middle of verse. I have so many numbers in my Bible because I've got the Hebrew Greek. Ah. Um, what verse is it? 15, 16. Anyway, but yeah. you did not incline your ear or listen to me. And yeah, like yes. we grasp a hold of what we're told Mm-hmm. what we're told from the pulpit or what we're told from the books we're reading. I think about my twenties and so much of who I lived out then and in my thirties was what I was reading. It mm-hmm. was the company I was keeping. And it wasn't that my company was bad, right? 
they, they were believers, they were godly people giving godly wisdom, but I was not inclining my ear to God himself. Right. And so we can, we can so easily become enslaved to even what other good Christian people say. Oh, yes. Yes. So what hope is there for us? Good night, right? Like that's sort of where I'm like, we're no better than the Rechabites here, right? We could be them in in two hot seconds because they thought that they were doing what they ought to do. And, And God's like, no, you missed it. You missed it. And so what, what's our way forward? I know it's totally off the, off the cuff right now, but what's the way forward? Well, I feel like I have been this fall, I have been studying a lot of our, our identity in Christ and the affirmations that are from the Bible. I am seated with him. I am guarded by him. Mm -hmm. I am chosen. I am holy. I am beloved. Yeah. And when we stay in that identity and we walk in that mm-hmm. identity, we make different choices. Yeah. Um, Ephesians 2 is where, Ephesians yeah, 2 and 4 was where the Lord had been kind of drawing me into mm-hmm. before, our, before we got hopped on the call. And um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 talks about being dead in trespasses. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yes, that is about pre-Christ life, mm-hmm. right? But we can live in that place. We can live out of our flesh, even when we're saved, even when mm-hmm. we're in him. Mm-hmm. And, but positionally, verse six, I want to read there, um, six, and I'll read through 10. Go for it. And Jesus Christ raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship Mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. And I think that kindness, like when I read, you know, he, he said, come, come and have wine, come and drink with me, come and learn from me. Right. This is his kindness. This is his immeasurable riches of his grace. Yeah. And it wasn't from what the Rechabites. It wasn't from their ancestors. It wasn't from anything that man made. Mm -hmm. It's from him. Yeah. 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 I, I totally see it in that way. And, you know, God's kindness has been something I've been probably four or five years. That's a word. That's an attribute of God that sticks to me because I was in a women's Bible study. And almost every week, this one woman, much older than everybody else, would be like, ladies, God is kind, you know, and she, she would say, it, you know, with that fist thing again, too. And I'd be like, he is kind, you know, by the end of the year, I don't remember anything we studied that year other than God is kind. And it wasn't part of the core of the Bible study. It was that she had personalized that attribute of God. And, and that does describe him saying, you know, God saying, come drink this wine, hear from me and obey me is God's kindness. And this, you know, what he gives us through Jesus Christ is his kindness, you know, and, and his kindness is that, well, I always talk about the, for we are his workmanship, 
we talk about this in the coach training class that workmanship is translated sometimes masterpiece or handiwork and comes from that a Greek word poem. Is it, is it there in your translation, Kristen? Yeah, poema, mm -hmm. uh, which is where we get our word poem from. And I, I say this all the time. I took three semesters of poetry in college as part of my English degree. I, I, I hated every lick of it. Um, I did not understand any of the poetry I ever read, but the, the one who penned it knows it, knows its meaning, knows its metaphor, knows its simile, know, knows its structure. It, it knows everything. The author of the poem knows everything about what, what the, they've written and created. And so I read this, literally what goes in my mind, for we are God's poem. He understands everything about us. Every bit of who we are, he understands, knows, and intended. And he created us in Christ Jesus for the work that we're to accomplish, which is the, amazing. The thing that stands out to me on that is twofold. And one is that if this is true of me, wow. Like if mm. I walked in that every day um, in preparing for this morning's call, I'm in these verses. I'm in Philippians 1, 6. He who, you know, he, oh my goodness. It just totally left my head. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite verses, right? He who created. Um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. will not, he's going to complete it, right? right? right, right he right. will be faithful to complete it in us, the good work that he has prepared for us. This frees me up. I'm reading these verses and I'm like, I am ready to go for today, right? Let me loose. Yeah. And, and if I'm in this place, if this is true about me, it's also true about those who are in Christ around me. Yeah. Yeah. And if it gives me freedom to walk as God has called me and in my giftedness, then this also allows me to release those others around me mm -hmm. that I have expectations for mm -hmm. that I think should do this or should do that or mm -hmm. shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. Right. And I have no place because I didn't create them. It's not my purposes for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They should be free and I should allow them and release them yeah. to walk in the way that God has made for them also. Yeah. So good. So, so let's talk about that. And Jen, I know Jennifer's got some thoughts on that intentionality of, so how do we walk this out? And and, you know, before you go there, Jennifer, like one thing I'm thinking of is this idea, okay, God called to them and they did not answer. So how do we know when God is calling? How do we know his voice? And we have men and women listening from all different seasons and stages of life and faith journey. And so I just kind of want to do like the basics, the, the Sunday school class basics that I didn't have when I was growing up, which is that God speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus is speaking uh, to the disciples, he says, I am leaving you, but you're going to get something better and you're going to get the Holy Spirit to be your counselor and your guide. And I can't remember what chapter and verse it's, it is in. I think it's in John, but this idea that, that the Holy Spirit will is in us when we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I want to live for you and you are my savior. You save me. I don't save myself anymore. You save me and you have a place for me in heaven seated with you 
you know, when my time on earth is done, eternity is, is you and I, and yet this is something that I came to understand probably a decade after I came to faith, which is that God's not just giving us the promise of his presence in eternity, but the, the gift of his presence here on earth, that life here gets to change. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit quickening us. And so, I mean, this, this recording is a perfect example. I prepped yesterday and I had other verses I was going to teach on this morning. Uh, and yet sitting, you know, and I got with God this morning and I, I read my Bible. I read chapter 36 in Jeremiah. And I was like, yep, that's fine. I looked at 35. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that, Lord. We're moving on. And, and his presence in me, the, those, those quiet thoughts of no, 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 no. I need you to go to 35. I need you to go to 35. And yeah, he needs us to go to 35. Does it match my plan? No, this doesn't fit in my plan. <laughs> but is it his plan? Yes. And so the Holy Spirit, we have to become attuned to hearing his voice. And, and the way we attune to hearing his voice is time in his word and time studying his character and nature. And time in the quiet places of like, okay, God, I'm going to tune out and I need to tune in. And there are times, I don't know if you guys have this experience. I'm really sensitive to noise. So like last night I was trying to paint the, the trim on the stairs and I put on a, a book on tape that I'm listening to book on tape, you know, book on audio audible that I'm listening to. And in my mind, it's a tape still. It, it's, it's like a little cassette tape inside my phone that's <laughs> rolling. And so um, I, I'm, I'm trying to listen to it and there's background noise. The kids are talking, Stephen's talking and I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, I can't hear this. There's too much noise. And so I had a choice and, and I chose, okay, stop. I'm not listening to this right now. I put on music because I knew once I put music on, everybody would sing and we would all be on the same track. So I, I put the music on instead and it was more soothing to me, but that's such a visual of if we can't hear God, we have to ask what is the noise and the clamor that is keeping us from hearing from him personally. And does that mean we need to withdraw and retreat for some time alone with him uh, and, and a way to, to empty our hearts and minds before him so he can fill it with what he has to say. So Jennifer, I keep on wanting to call you Jen lately. I don't know why. Jennifer. It's fine. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Um, it must be the years of knowing you. You've become Jen to me because I have like a hundred Jens in my life. <laughs> so I know you wanted to take us into another one of my favorite passages in Ephesians. Yes. Um, before I get to that, I just want to go back to what you were saying about hearing God and, you know, sensing the Holy Spirit. I have just had lots of situations lately, you know, 2020. Can we just say that was a whole situation? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I hope by the time this airs live that we are on the road to normal. But anyway, um, but I have felt myself saying, I have not spent enough time with the Lord. I need to like, I need to get in my office, shut the door and get into the word more. Mm. You know, I mean, there's just times when it's just so things are so overwhelming or confusing, complicated. And, you know, all those anxious thoughts start coming back and I'm like, okay, I know I have not spent enough time to mm -hmm. receive his peace, his direction, his comfort, his whatever I needed. Um, so I'm learning to listen to that mm -hmm. when my body tells me I'm 
mm, just all tense and mm-hmm. confused. Just get away, even if it's just 30 minutes extra or something to get into mm-hmm. the word. So I just thought I'd share that. But it's good. Um, it's good. <clears throat> excuse me. When you told us about the topic we were going to talk about today, the first verses that came to my mind were from Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16 that say, Mm -hmm. pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And, you know, one of the things I talk about a whole lot is let's stop wasting time and pursue what matters most. So what is wasting our time? We tend to think about Things like, you know, people distracting us or we're spending too much time on our phones, watching TV, those kind of things as time wasters. But Mm -hmm. if you dig deeper, you know, if we are dealing with insecurity, overwhelm, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, all these things, that Mm -hmm. is wasting our time as well. If we are just like so focused in on that, we can't do what God has called us to do. And so it is wasting our time. We are not able to pursue the important things. And um, one thing that the Lord brought to my mind last night as I was thinking about this, and it's personal to me because it happened to me yesterday, actually. Um, Sometimes we don't want to let go of these things and move to a better place, even though we know it's for good, we will feel better. We're comfortable where we are in that Whatever it is that's got us held, because we know that, you know, Mm -hmm. we know. And sometimes it's like, can we trust God that it is going to be better if we completely give this over to him, allow him to work in our lives, change our hearts, our mindset, our attitudes, because we know what life is like here. But Mm -hmm. is it really going to be better or do I just have to adapt to a new thing, you know, um, Am I willing Mm -hmm. to put in the work that it's going to take to make this change? Um, I shared a quote this past week on Instagram that says, nothing happens until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. Meaning, you know, until you get to that point where you're like, something's got to give. I am Mm -hmm. ready to make the change. You're not going to make the change until it's just that painful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think sometimes we sit with that because it's comfortable. Yeah. It's known. Um, not that it's pleasant, but it's known. And it, this just happened yesterday. I'm dealing with a situation with someone close to me that, you know, I can't make them change, but yet mm-hmm. their actions are affecting my life. And I spent most of yesterday rehearsing in my mind what I needed mm-hmm. to say to this person, what, and getting in a, just a super funky mood instead of coming to my office, doing work. I know I needed to do that. God has called me to do that. I want to do, but it was easier to sit there and be in this mm-hmm. funky mood instead yeah. of living out this calling God has on my life and let him work in that and show me and trust him. So Yeah. Yes. I don't have that all figured out. It happens. (laughs) No, no, but it's good. It's tying into, I mean, the theme of this year for more to be is let go and live. Uh, And, you know, every time I play around with with that expression, I'm like, I wonder what people are thinking that means, right? It could sound very worldly, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, whew, you know, here we go. Do we do whatever we want to do? But, but really it's this let go of the, the things that hold us back from living in the presence of God and his purposes. And, and you describe that so beautifully of saying, you know, you, you spent the day stewing on the hurt mm-hmm. uh, or the frustration or the, the challenge or the difficulty, the rumination of our brain on the thing that we can't do anything about, right? A- as opposed to living in God's presence and purposes of, okay, he is a just and faithful God. He is the one that can control all things. He is the one that can be the provider of peace when our circumstances take the peace away. He is the one that can secure the next step and and the plan that we need to to move in rather than us. And so it's kind of the let go and live is just the representative words of all this other stuff like that can get unpacked um, beneath it. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Mm -mm. Right. And, and, and to this passage, this, this scripture passage, because the days are evil. Right. So the first time I learned of this scripture verse was good night. It was probably nine years ago. Um, And Sarah May, uh, who you guys might know, she's written a whole bunch of books. She, she had this challenge that she put out there for women to get up at uh, 5.16 in the morning for Ephesians 5.16 and to start their day with the Lord. That when we entered the, the day late, we, we are not able to join him in the work that he is doing essentially. And that there was this like challenge, like get up and get with God. And then from there, you, you have his marching orders. And it, it's interesting because this morning did not go according to plan. So we've had a snow day yesterday and there was a change in schedule and I was supposed to be up at 6.30 to drive the Abby to work because her car is not working and then drive the twins to school because Stephen had to be there at a different time. And I was going to have an hour and a half this morning of basically, you know, chauffeur mama, call me Uber. Um, and at 6.35, we found out that there was a two hour delay. So I was like, okay, now what does this mean? Who am I driving when, where? This, this could be a problem. It all worked out. I didn't have to drive anybody anywhere. And I said to Stephen, like, this is great. I've got my time back. And there was temptation to skip my quiet time because I have found time. I could get these other projects done that I'm delayed on. And yet there was, again, the Holy Spirit saying, if you don't get your priority right right now, your whole day is going to be off. So spend it with me. And I felt guilty as I was sitting there in the living room by the Christmas tree, reading my Bible and thinking about all the other things that need to be done. But that's a, that's a, you know, of course, who's, who's whispering the guilt in my ear? Satan. Let me, let me distract you from your time with, with your maker, the one who, who wrote your story before today, during today and after today. Let me get you out of his earshot so that I can make you my minion instead of you being the one that that carries out his plans. And to me, that's where this evil piece comes in, that we, this is a battle. It's a battle for our mind, a battle for our time, a battle for our hearts, 
that if we don't engage in it in an intentional way, and this is where it starts, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but wise, making the most of the time and literally making the most of the time is by choosing time with God first. Even if it's not at 516 in the morning, which is a little crazy for most of us, but I mean, so it was 730 in the morning, but it was still 10 minutes. Yeah, and it gives, um, like you said, you get your marching orders when you start the day right, and it helps you order your day. I mean, um, you choosing to sit there by the Christmas tree and do your time with God versus getting up and doing things you thought were really important, which they are, but, you know, being with God was the most important thing. It just reminded me of Mary and Martha. You chose the better thing instead of all of the hustle and bustle and whatever else you had going on, right. it will be there. It will <laughs> waiting be there. For you, you know, um, but these times, um, especially when God opens up the time for you. I mean, that was yeah. when you said you didn't have to drive anyone. I was like, woo-woo. Right. I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Make the way for that to happen. Because there are some days um, I have to be out of the house by 730. And it is yeah. very hard to make myself get up earlier mm. to fit in the time I would normally have when I am at home for the yeah. day. You know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when you have to make different choices. And a lot of the women that are listening and men don't have that flexibility, right? That Mm -hmm. I I set my own hours. So technically I have flexibility, but you know, my pastor was saying he listens, he gets in the car and he listens to this um, liturgy podcast. So, you know, you can listen to Bible on audio in your commute. You can sit in the parking lot for three minutes before you walk in and center yourself on the Lord. And and speak to him. I mean, there are ways that we can do it in a non-traditional way. And this kind of, I think, ties us back into the example of, of the Rechabites, right? Like they, there, there is a way that we have each been indoctrinated into, a way that we're supposed to take care of our houses, the way we're supposed to be as a wife, the way we're supposed to raise our children, the way we're supposed to practice our faith, the way we're supposed to run our businesses. And I, I think what what we need to do to follow their example is to say, but what is the way that God is calling us into that, that uses wisdom from the word and from those that he's placed in our lives to carry out the things he has called us to do as his workmanship, the work he's called us to um, in a way that there's freedom and joy in God's presence. I just keep looking at this part of the passage, but you did not incline your ear or listen to me. And the opposite is that as we go throughout our day, you know, Deuteronomy six, right? Mm -hmm. Incline your ear to me. And there's, the Lord is creative. God is, does is not in a box that that means 30 minutes at four 30 in the morning or, you know, whatever. I mean, that may be what he's calling someone to, but it's incline your ear to me. How is he calling you to be with him in your reality right now? Mm. And that may be a verse that's, you know, on your steering wheel that you're just meditating Mm. on. And that keeps you inclining your ear to him. So good. So 
you know, we, goodness, we could go on forever, but we need to close. And I want to share a couple quotes, actually. I'm, I'm on my last day of my social media fast as I record this. And so this is coming out of Wendy's, um, the 40 day of social media fast book. And this is, uh, I guess this is day 39. So tomorrow is day 40. She quotes brother Lawrence, um, who's a 17th century French monk. And he is talking about uh, devotion amidst distraction, right? And this is before social media. But he says, um, I began to live as if, as if there were not one in the world, but him and me. I adored him as often as I could, keeping my mind in his holy presence and recalling it as often as it wandered. I had no little difficulty in this exercise, but I kept on despite all the difficulties and was not worried or distressed when I was involuntarily distracted. I like preach brother. Like I did this during the day as often as I did it during the formal time specifically set aside for prayer for at all times, at every hour, at every moment, even in the busiest times of my work, I banished and put away from my mind, everything capable of diverting me from the thought of God. And then um, she, she also quotes Tozer, A.W. Tozer, and he's talking about how to uh, find solitude and meditation with the Lord, which is really what we've been talking about in many regards. Like, how do you hear from God? We need to hear from him in that solitude and meditation. And he, he advises, retire sometimes from the crush of the world, from all human society, including your family retire and shut your door and there alone with God, you will grow in grace. You will become calm while the world screams and rattles and blows its terrible whistles around you. When you have had your soul blessed, you can come back down where the poor, tired, noisy world is whistling past its graveyards and talk to them about something worthwhile. Isn't that great? And then this last part, and this ties into what, you know, Jen was saying about being organized in our time and, and living intentionally. Tozer continues to say, I want to rearrange my schedule so that I can retire sometimes from the crushing society for a little time with God, cultivating spiritual things and calming my heart and listening to God speak in the silence. I do not say how frequently, I do not say how long, I just say that something like this has to be done if we're going to break the magnetic attachment of society upon our poor hearts. <sighs> Preach, Tozer <laughs> and Lawrence, right? I mean, so what we're talking about is not a new concept to us in 2021. I mean, this is the, this is the discipline of the saints that has been going on for generations, even before the chaos that we currently live in. And we get a choice. So any closing thoughts from either of you or would one of you want to close us out in prayer? I'll close us out in prayer. Um, but I wanted to say, like you said, we have a choice mm -hmm. every day. And, you know, some people are like, how do I know? How, do, how can I get out of this thing that is holding me back? And I know there are people out there suffering from really hard things. Maybe yeah. they're in an abusive situation or eating disorder or, you know, something um, that they feel like they have no control over. And I always like to leave people, you know, with a reminder, you need to ask for help somewhere, whatever that looks like for you. Um, because not everything is a choice to get out of. 
as in we can't just say, well, I'm going to move away from this today. You know, we don't all have that. Every situation does not provide that opportunity. There are multiple steps to be able to be released from that bondage. So, um, but there are some things that we do have the capacity to say, I'm giving this to the Lord. I don't want to do this anymore. It may not be an overnight thing, but I'm going to work on it the best that I can to get out of whatever's holding me back from serving the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so taking that time to figure it out, figure out what is holding you back and then releasing that to him and seeking his guidance and how to move out of that is very important. So, so good, Jen, so wise, so wise. And, and we have resources that more to be either through coaching or we can point towards uh, counseling as an option uh, so that there's always, there's always a way to find help, even if help doesn't feel like it's available right in your own neck of the woods, we can at least point and connect um, for sure. So that's really good. Kristen, did you want to share anything before Jennifer prays? We're good. Okay. She's smiling for those of you who can't see her beautiful face. Okay. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, I just thank you so much for this day and this conversation that you've allowed us to have and to share with others who are listening, Father. And we know that um, your timing is sovereign. It is Um, purposeful and knowing that we're recording this even a few months before it will air live. Lord, we know that those who are listening to it today um, in the coming weeks, it'll be just the right time for them. And I just pray that you will take the words you've given us, help them to penetrate the hearts and minds of those who need to make a change in their life, who are held back by something that is keeping them from serving you Um, in their full capacity, Father. And I just pray that you would show your grace and mercy um, by just revealing what it is, what's holding us back, Father, that um, is keeping us from serving you. And just show us how we can let go of that and move forward in freedom with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, and for what he did for us by dying on the cross. And we just, again, glorify and honor you in all that we do. In Christ's holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kristen and Jennifer, for spending this time together on the More To Be podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We pray that you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.